0: Uh, bringing the word today. Good morning, Freshwater. I don't know if you uh, got a bulletin uh, or announcement or whatever we're calling this these days when you walked in. Um, I go through the door several times and they try to give me like 10 of them. Uh, But sometimes I think we come in and we see the heading, the title of the the message on here and uh, we get maybe excited or encouraged or intrigued by what it is. And then I think other times, like today, we see the title and maybe it evokes different emotions. Um, You know, maybe, hopefully there's a few of us out there who are encouraged to hear a message on giving, um, but then there's other emotions, I think, that come out. Uh, But part of that, I think, is is not necessarily because of the church as a whole, but because of what giving looks like uh, just in our lives in general and in in our world today. Uh, I've got some numbers here. There are 1.5 million registered nonprofit and charitable organizations in the U.S. Add to that, there are uh, employed in the U.S. 200,000 telemarketers, and I think some days it feels like all of them have our phone number. Uh, but that's that's a lot of organizations and people that are trying to reach out to us to help us either spend or give away our money, and I think sometimes. While we really enjoy giving at certain times, and uh, the more and more we get contacted via phone or knocks on the door, or we see things come up on social media, or people send it to us, the more that happens, sometimes our joy and the spontaneousness of giving kind of goes away. And then we come to church, and you guys sit down at a certain point in the service, that was kind of nice, they just left, this comes down right? A certain point in the service every single time, and what is this? It's the offering plate, right? This comes down, and uh, it, it comes to the front, and it gets passed from front to back, kind of unannounced and untalked about. And when I was thinking about this, I, it, I actually stopped, and really it, it intrigued me, because the offering is an aspect. It's a part of our service. It's been that way for a long time. It's a tradition that we do. But if you look at the other aspects of our service, worship and the message, uh, communion, baptism, even how we end the service, every other aspect we either introduce or describe or talk about or we direct you in it. When we have worship, our worship leader comes up and begins the service and leads us into worship. May even direct you on standing or sitting and talk about why we're worshiping. When we go to the message, just like Scott did, the message is introduced and we kind of ask you to be seated and prepare to receive the message. We do communion. We walk through the elements and why we're doing that, right? And, and what's going on with those and we direct you on taking them. All of these other elements we describe and we encourage you and we, we, even, ch- we even challenge you on what they are. But year after year, Sunday after Sunday, this just comes to the front, unannounced, unchallenged, unchanged, and it goes past every row and in front of every face. And some folks put something in here. Some folks have already put stuff in electronically and all kinds of methods in the new age, but we don't talk about it. It's unchallenged and unchanged. The church, though, has undergone lots of change. We see that. We've seen dynamics change in our church. We've changed building. We've changed service formats. We've changed worship styles, and and staff has changed. All kinds of change. The people have changed. We see people come and go. New families come in, all different backgrounds, and yet the offering remains the same. And I think it's because it's her tradition. It's been a tradition in the American church, and it's not just this one, for, for a long time. And traditions are great, but they shouldn't go unchecked. Now, the offering plate is really just symbolic of today's message. So the offering plate is really just a symbol of the greater message we're going to talk about, which is giving. So would you pray with me as we begin today's message? Lord, giving uh, is, is, is the theme here today, and, and we have a message prepared, Lord, um, and we want to walk through in your word and your truth, but Lord, I'd, I'd pray that no matter what's been prepared, no matter what uh, I, I have ready, Lord, I'd, I'd pray that the words just melt away for the truth that you want people to hear. I pray that you prepare their hearts to receive a message, that they can hear the true intent and, and purpose of giving and why you have uh, instilled this in us, Lord, why you've guided us in us and what you are leading us to in giving. We ask these things in Your name, Amen. So, giving—it's um, a difficult message because there's a lot of us in a lot of different situations in the church. Everybody's in a different financial situation and planning situation and lifestyle situation. Everybody looks at giving differently. It's a very personal thing, and I think as such, the church at times. We, we don't talk about giving a lot, and when we do, maybe we kind of walk gingerly around it, almost kind of on eggshells, right, because of how personal it is and because of the general nature of the topic. But I'm not a very ginger kind of guy. Um, that's just not my style. <laughs> Scott and I talked about it, and he said, this is going to be a challenging message for you. And I said, yeah, I got to stay in my lane, right? So... But, but that's just my, it's not my style, and I don't think that needs to be the style with giving. Giving is an aspect of our faith, amen? Yeah, giving's an aspect of our faith, just like prayer, just like communing with God, just like freedom. There's so many aspects of our faith that when we give messages and we talk about them, we talk boldly about them, right? And we want to be challenged and grow in them. And giving, while it's personal, right, and we have different feelings about it, we need to speak boldly about it too. Okay? And we need to speak not boastfully or arrogantly about giving. That's not the intent, right? We want to speak boldly out of the Word of God to hear what He says about giving. Okay? So that's what we're going to do. And as I was preparing the message, um, staying in my lane, there's so many aspects of giving. What do you do? Do you talk about a specific thing like, like missions giving or like the offering plate or where do you go And the more I talk with our leadership and just living as part of this church and seeing all the changes and different dynamics, I thought, boy, and God led me that said, you know, we just need to kind of get back to the basics a little bit and talk about what giving is, what we should expect, and how we should respond. And we want to do that because there's a lot of different folks out there who have seen giving in different ways. I kind of organize these into three groups of us who sit out there. There's, There's one group of you out there that have given faithfully for years. Continually faithfully giving. Year in and year out, Sunday in and Sunday out, you have given continually and faithfully. And we love that. And while that's awesome... We need to hear a message on giving because you need to be continually challenged. Even if you've faithfully given for years, you need to be continually strengthened, encouraged, and challenged so we can grow in it. I think one of the dangers of giving continually in the same way, in the same manner for years is that we can fall into a pattern or a tendency that it's just another thing we do. And we start to not notice that we're giving. We only really notice it when we plan it at the beginning of the year or go through tax time. And what we don't want to have happen with the faithful, continuous giving is we don't want it to start becoming just another bill that we have to pay. We don't want our gift to be something that we just have to make sure we write a check for. Because giving is so much more than that. It's so much more for the church and for the giver. The second group out there is those, uh, kind of like myself, there's a lot of folks that didn't grow up in the CMA or they didn't grow up in this church. They've come from a lot of different backgrounds. They've come from a different church or many different churches. And I think with a lot of different churches and a lot of different traditions, pretty much everyone you come from or go to has a different method, means, or style of giving, Some of them were very positive. Some have had very positive giving experiences outside of this church, but we know that there's some folks that have been burned by giving in previous experiences of churches. Maybe they've had their gifts misled or misused, and they've been hurt by that. And so coming in here, we don't want them just to have an expectation that you should begin giving as soon as you sit down in these seats and the offering plates passed in front of you. You need to understand what giving means here. And what we believe God says about giving, you need to be an informed giver. So you need a message for that. And this last group is is a group that I'm, I've been so encouraged and excited to really see grow in our church. It's it's a group of either new believers who are kind of just hearing, you know, what this whole giving thing is, and just beginning this life of Christian faith, or it's just young folks in general. Maybe you're getting your first consistent income or your first job. Uh, You're in college or you're a young family, young married couple, and you're starting to, you know, figure out a lot of things. And your finances, your money, and and giving as part of the church life is another thing. And for those, especially the young folks in our church— what finances, money, and giving looks like is uh, quite a bit different from several of the other groups and generations in our church. And so as they plan for this, as they figure this out, as they pray through it and work through it as, uh, as individuals and families and groups, they need to hear a message that encourages them and strengthens them that they know that we are trying to follow the truth that God's given us. And so the struggle is how do you present a message that kind of feeds and encourages all those individual groups right and I'd like to try to do that today by asking and answering three questions I'm going to ask why do we give how do we give and what do we give so the first question is why do we give but before we provide a direct answer to that I think there's two elements of caution we need to give And this is especially for those who are just new believers or just starting to understand what giving looks like. We need to understand that when we give, we are not giving because God needs our money. Okay? Amen? God does not need our money. Acts 17 tells us that uh, God isn't served by human hands as if he needs anything. He doesn't need anything. He created life and breath and everything. Okay? We're not giving because God needs our money. In fact, it's not our money. Okay? It's, It's not our money. Nothing we have is actually ours. Psalm 24, verse 1 says that the earth and everything in it is God's. We are simply stewards of what He has given to us. God doesn't need our money. That's not why we give. We need to be clear. Second, and we're going to spend a little bit of time here. Um, We're not giving because we are required or obligated to give under the law. That comes from uh, an Old Testament. We'd see that throughout the Old Testament. It's a, uh, a concept of tithing, okay? A lot of us are familiar with it. In fact, I was Speaking to a couple people this week, a couple different individuals about my message, I said I was giving a message on giving, and I think all but one of them said, oh, you're preaching on tithing. And I said, no, I'm preaching on giving. And then they kind of just give you kind of this curious look. What do you mean? We've taken this tradition of tithing from the old law, the old covenant, and it still exists in, in many different formats today in our church. When we think giving, a lot of us think tithing. But we need to understand that we are Tithing was something that existed before the law in a couple unique instances with Abram and Jacob, but then we really begin to see this idea of tithing come to fruition in the old law under the Mosaic Covenant. God requires tithing under that law. He requires tithing a tenth of everything we have off the top on a continual basis for several different purposes to support the temple and the priesthood and the general worship of the people. Okay. It was a requirement to tithe, to give. The point of clarification we need is that we are no longer under that law, okay? We are no longer under that law. Scripture tells us that Jesus was the end of the law. Romans 10, Jesus was the end of the law, okay? We are no longer under that covenant. We have a new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ. The question that it begs is, well, if we're no longer under the law, if it's no longer a requirement to tithe, should we still tithe? And here's where I've, it's, if you go out and you start re- researching tithing and looking, there's a lot of different views on this. And, and I think people oftentimes look at the requirement versus the intent, okay? And this is really important to us because it starts to build a whole picture of what God sees as giving, If we say that we're no longer required to do something, oftentimes we see it as, oh, good, well, we don't have to do that anymore, you know? And I was just required to before, now I don't have to, good, we won't do that. But should we? I wanna give you an example. The state of Ohio says that when you operate a motor vehicle, you are required to wear a seatbelt, okay? We have to wear a seatbelt, there's a penalty if we don't. If tomorrow, they said, we are lifting the requirement to wear seatbelts in motor vehicles. Do you think it's a good idea for us to not wear seatbelts any longer? No, right? Because we weren't required to wear seatbelts just because of the requirement, just because they wanted to hand out more tickets. We were required to wear seatbelts because it keeps us safe, because it helps prevent injuries in case of an accident. And if just because the requirement is lifted doesn't mean that we shouldn't continue to do something that keeps us safe, that helps prevent accidents. And even so, even more, whether there's a requirement there or not, we are going to continue to wear the seatbelts, improve on seatbelt technology, and go develop more and more ways to keep ourselves safe. Because it's a great idea. It's something we should do. And so when we look at tithing, we look at that requirement in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and in in under the Mosaic Law. Although we're not required to do it, I don't think we should just throw out that concept of giving. We need to understand why God put it there. It was there, yes, to support the temple and the priesthood and the worship of the people. But it was there to glorify God. They were tithing to glorify God and on a regular basis so that that we could understand what committed, dedicated giving was. Not only that, but it was off the top so people could begin to understand what it means to make God a priority over our stuff. And so when we look at it, no. Okay, the answer, if you're wondering, should I still tithe like the old law? You're not required. Okay, we're not required to tithe under the old law. However, that concept should still ring true. We should still take that into our giving today. And I think I would challenge us, just like with seatbelts, that rather than how many of us look at tithing and holding 10% as the standard of what we should give, 10% is what we should give or have to give or what it looks like as Christian giving. I believe if we really see how Jesus lived out giving in the New Testament, 10%, that idea is really just... The standard of where we should start. I think Jesus raises it up, and as we commune with him and pray with him, he'll show us what the actual standard of giving is. So those are two points of clarification. But why do we give? Well, there's a lot of reasons in Scripture. There's a lot of reasons to give, and we can't cover them all today. But a few of them is that we give, why you should give, is because of what you've been given. We should give because of what we've been given or how much we've been given. And I know that for several folks out there, or maybe even a lot of folks out there, we hear that and we think, that's not me. I'm in a tough spot. I don't feel like I've been given. I'm struggling. That's got to be for somebody else. But when we look at past the money and the finances and what we really have, in light of the fall, in light of what we really deserve, we all have much in the kingdom of God. We need to keep that bigger perspective with why we give. Why else should we give? We should give because it is a blessing and because when we give, we're told we will receive blessings. This is one of those great joys that comes through giving. There's joy that you get and blessings that come through obedience to giving as God would direct you. Never forget that. We're also told numerous times in Scripture. We're told in the Old Testament. We're told in the New Testament. We see it lived out. And it's part of orthodoxy here that we should give to those who work in the service of God. We should give to those who work in the service of spreading the message of Christ. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like the offering plate. We believe in the purpose of the local church. We believe in the purpose of the local church to care for and and raise up and grow people, all of us out there. We believe in supporting the local church through our giving. We believe in the global church and reaching the world for Christ. We believe in supporting through our giving the global church, our workers, our international workers out there. We also believe that it should be done consistently. We believe in membership of the local church, and we believe that when we are part of a church, we are committed to it, we should give according to that commitment. It shows continual support and dedication to God's purpose. We also believe that we should give according to need. Scripture tells us that over and over again, that, that there are needs out there, we see needs out there, and we should give according to that. And this is important. We don't just give according to the needs of people that sit in these seats. We don't just give according to the needs of the people who know Jesus Christ as their Savior. We should give according to needs of all of God's people, not just those sitting here. When we see needs outside, not carelessly, and we'll talk about that in a bit, But the great purpose, the big answer to this question, right, kind of the one that sits over everything, if you want to know why Christians, why people who know Jesus Christ as their Savior, why we give, we give because of the same reason we do everything in Christ. We give because of love. If you understand love and what that is, you understand why we should give, Christ gave us the greatest picture of love. God gave us that greatest picture. It's one of our famous verses, right? It's one that everybody knows. It's John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. He loved the world. He loved us so much that he did what? He gave. God loved so much that he gave. And we see that the greatest love, that greatest picture of love, shows us that love gives And in our goal as our our path as Christians to try to be more like Christ, giving becomes a clearer and clearer picture. We should give out of love. We should give because of love. We should give in love. And we should give because we are loved. That's why we give. Now, how do we give? That's the second question. If we begin to get that foundation of understanding of why we should give, why Christ calls us to give, why the church asks us to give, the next one is how. And there's, there's logistics around that. There's, there's the logistics of, well, we should give to the offering plate. Um, I had somebody yesterday say, make sure you tell everybody to do direct deposit because it's a whole lot easier. Um, we're actually, we're actually developing an app right now. We're choosing an app to give, right? There's logistics to, to help us in different means as, as we develop as people and, and in this world to help uh, facilitate giving. But the big question, right? How do we give? There's a lot of people, a lot smarter than me, that have posed answers to this question over the years. And uh, a couple of my favorites on how we should give, Spurgeon said that we should give Until we feel it. That's how you should give. You may have heard people say, you should give until it hurts. And I read this great message by A.B. Simpson that said, you should give until it hurts and then keep giving until it stops. Think about that. Give till you feel it, give until it hurts, give until it stops hurting. While they all sound a little different, they all have the same premise, the same concept behind them. It's this idea that giving should be noticeable. You should know that you're giving, okay? And when we know we're giving, we should be doing it sacrificially, okay? A knowledge of giving, right? When you know you're giving, you can feel it. And when you can feel it and you know it's happening, you can be challenged in it. You can be encouraged by it okay? We should know we're giving. We don't want it to be that bill that we just pay. And we, we, the idea that it should hurt, right? It's not this pain thing so much, but it's the idea of sacrificial giving. We don't want to give out of what we have left over. That's not what we should do. We shouldn't give out of what we've got left, or we shouldn't give out of our excess. We should make God a priority and give to God first, We shouldn't wait to find out what we're giving to God after we've made ourselves comfortable in this. That's what giving looks like. That's how we should give. Next concept is giving should come off the top. This does come from that mosaic law, that idea of tithing, and it's something that I think is very true and valid and meaningful for all of us today. We should give, when we determine our giving, it should be off the top. It should be from the beginning before we determine anything else that's going anywhere else. We should go commune with God first and ask, what should I give? And it comes there first. If we don't, if we don't give off the top and we don't put everything out there and say, God, this is what you've given me. What should I give back? If we reserve anything, then we've made ourselves a priority over him. And we don't want to do that. When you give, consider giving off the top from the very beginning. And give, how should we give? We should give consistently. Consistency in giving is so important. And why it's important is because when we don't give consistently, if we give sporadically or we give, you know, here or there and not in a pattern, what happens is we have a tendency to forget that we should give or forget why we're giving Or for our own benefit, we we don't receive those blessings that could come our way through giving. Your giving should be consistent. It shows dedication to your purposes in Christ. I would challenge you all when we're trying to figure out how to give that we should do it consistently. And two more pieces on how we should give. I think this is the one where we see the most joy and the most encouragement and the most blessing come through our life. Give as you're led. I would challenge you that when we think about giving as we're led, it's something that's on top of the offering plate. It's something that's on top of your consistent or regular giving. When we give as we're led, this is when God puts something on our heart or puts something on our mind or puts somebody in our path or shows us a need and he leads us to that. And if we give as we're led, we say yes. Yes we say yes and we give to meet that need. Or we make a separate commitment outside there as he's leading us. And here's the thing. There are so many of these. There's so many areas. There's so many needs in our church. Individuals, families, in our communities. You may be led we just heard th- that Scott and these guys are going over, they're going over on, on a trip to see some of our international workers. There's so many needs in the global missions field. There's so many areas and needs and places that God may lead you to give outside of your regular offering. And I would encourage you to say yes to God in a responsible manner for those leadings. Give as we're led. But finally, how should we give? This is really important. We need to give in the right spirit. God loves what kind of giver? God loves a cheerful giver, right? If you find that when you're putting your offering out and you're doing your giving, if you're doing it and having a hard time separating from that offering, if you're doing it in anger or in spite or any other spirit like that, here's what I'd say. You should keep your money all right, if you find that that's the spirit you're giving out of, keep your money and use that as an indication that you need to get right with God. Because if that's the spirit of giving, there's something else going on. That's not the spirit God wants us giving in. Use that as an indication to say, God, why am I having a hard time with this? Why do I feel this way? What's going on? If that's the spirit you're giving out of, Hold on to your offering and get right with God. Then when you're cheerful again, you can put your offering in the offering place. It's great. (laughs) I know Scott's over there going, no. Um, (laughs) Hey, you gave me this message. Um, Amen. (laughs) Give in the right spirit, guys. The last question, what are you giving? Why are you giving? How are you giving? Now What? are we giving? This is a different question from how much should I give, okay? And I would tell everyone out there, if when you start considering giving, if the first question you ask is, how much do I need to give? You're asking the wrong question, okay? If you're asking how much you need to give, if somebody asked me, so I'm a Christian, I'm part of Freshwater, how much do I need to give? I would ask the question back to you. I'd say, how much do you need to give for what? We're not under the old law anymore where it requires a 10% tithe. So you, there's not a certain amount that you have to give for that. There's no longer a requirement. And usually when we ask how much we need to give, it's because there's something we're trying to buy. Let me tell you right now, you're offering while God desires for us to follow through with this commitment to offering and giving. You're not buying anything with your money, Okay. You're not buying your justification, sanctification, salvation. There's no price on that that you can pay for with your money, okay? Jesus Christ was the only one who could pay that price, and he already did it. So your money can't buy it, okay? We're not buying anything with our money. And so I would challenge you, if that's the first question you have, how much do I need to give? Think about why you're asking that question like that. Are you asking it because you want to know how much you have left over for yourself? Do you want to, are you asking it because there's something in you that makes you want to seem like the right kind of Christian or that, you know, you're at a certain level where, yes, this is what I have to support. How much I need to give shouldn't be the first question. I would challenge you with this one. What should I give? What should I give? And here's, here's how I would answer that question. While there are some fantastic financial planners and accountants, in our congregation, in our church. And while Scott and our staff can do a fantastic job of helping us with understanding what, you know, managing our money and things look like, and we offer lots of great courses, okay? Financial peace can do that. The very first place you should go to answer the question, what should I give, is to God. There's nobody else more qualified to tell you what you have to give than the person who gave you everything you have. Got it? Amen. Nobody else can answer that any better than the person who knows everything because they gave it to you. So when we are figuring out what we should give, we need to pray. You should pray about it as individuals. You should pray about it as couples. You should pray about it as families. We should pray about giving as a church. And we should pray about it often, not just once a year when we decide what we're going to put in the offering plate pray about it, God will lead you to know what you should give. That's part of his commitment to us. So if that's where we stand with what we should give, what guidance would the church give? Well, here's what I'd say. I heard this, um, I don't know where, um, It may have been Spurgeon. I'm not sure, but it's the principle that I've just carried through, and I'd like to share it with you guys. It says that when we're considering what we should give, we should give all we have according to what we have. What should you give? You should give all you have according to what you have, and here's what that means. It doesn't mean that you should give everything you have so you have nothing, Giving all you have goes back to the same principle of keeping God first. If God is leading you to increase your giving and you hold part of it back for yourself, you haven't given all you have. If God's encouraging you to change your giving but you don't want to because it'll be uncomfortable, you haven't given all you have. Giving all you have means making God the priority, saying yes and putting him first. We should give all we have. Now, that doesn't mean we should put ourselves in danger. Giving all we have according to what we have. That's the part where we talk about responsible giving. We should not give above our means when it puts ourselves and our families in danger. Okay? responsible giving. We would encourage you to give, but God tells us that we have a responsibility to ourselves and to maintaining our families, caring for our families, growing for our families. And so if you begin to find yourself giving at a point where it's above your means and it's putting these other things in danger, we need to step back and rethink this, okay? We need to give all we have, but it has to be according to what you have. give within our means. And thing, there's a final thing about giving that I want to share. Um, it's something I learned. Um, I learned this later in life, unfortunately. I learned this when, when Scott and some of us went on a missions trip to Africa a few years back. Um, and I learned that giving isn't all about money, Okay and I'm going to get choked up. <laughs> and this happened last time. Um, I, I got choked up when I was talking about this just in, in preparing for the sermon. We went over to Africa, and we were in um, this area where it was kind of an orphanage. They were supporting babies who had been left. And there was all these workers here, and we went over to both talk about them financially and see how we could support this, this mission there. And while that was really important, and we got there and we got to talk to these workers and see how they were being financially supported and if we could, you know, partner with them and see where money goes, immediately (laughs) you could see that giving is so much more than money. Because when we took our time to just talk to them and hold babies, I mean, they needed so much more than money, okay? So if you are giving financially, You're committed to it. You feel you've met what God says you should give, right? And you still feel a gap. You still feel like there should be something more. Or maybe you feel like you can continue giving and giving as much money as you have. You've been blessed in that area, and it's still, you're not going to feel it. There's something else. I would encourage you, consider giving your time. Consider giving of your talents. If you want to feel what love is and the love of giving, give some of your time. Go talk to Beth Falkenberg and go hold some babies. Go over, right? (laughs) So funny. Go over and talk to Beth and sit with our young kids. Give some of your time. The first time you give your time and you see those kids, big eyes, hear about Jesus, Jesus. You'll know what it means to give. Go sit with Len. Tell Len, say, Len, I'd like to help the youth. And you actually spend your time walking through some of the things our youth are walking through. You'll know what it means to give in love. Giving is so much more than our money. And I challenge you to go above and beyond. Don't look at 10% and say, I've got to meet 10% financially and I'm good blow past that standard, guys. Ask God what you should give. Listen and say yes. Scott, I've asked Scott to come back up here. We're going to spend just a minute or two in silence. Give you guys an opportunity to just commune with God. Just to talk to God about what giving's like right now in your life and your family and how he might challenge you today. And then I'll I'll pray, and we're going to end the doxology. So just take a moment, guys. Father, today I would would ask that you sink deep into each one of our lives. I would ask that you make this idea of giving fresh and new. That you would put that passion and even a burden in our lives for giving. And that we wouldn't be astray and confused, but we would be directed by you. We would hear from you. A bright light leading us forward in what giving is. A burning passion in us that maybe has been gone for long and has awakened. Or maybe it's the first time we're thinking of giving, Lord. That you awaken that in us. That you show us what giving looks like. That we see a piece of that, what giving looks like, just as Christ gave everything for us. That you point us in the right direction, Lord. I pray that this is a burden that isn't gone when we leave these doors, Lord. That you continue to challenge us so that we can grow. Amen.